Hello, welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about pay-to-win and payment systems in games. Before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the audience at home what we do on this podcast? Well, it's pretty simple. Uh, we like to talk about games. And uh, I guess before we get into the, the nitty-gritty, we should do our weekly uh, updates that we do. Um... I guess for D&D, what do we do this week? We played in, in, in Iron Gods. We played Rune Lords. I'm like, oh, so in Rune Lords, I actually really like this session a lot. In Rune Lords, we got onto, uh, you know, like a river boat or whatever, like a ferry. And we are en route to our next destination kind of out in the wilds. And I really, really enjoy these sessions um, of kind of like traveling. And I think that they're really important. I think that they're secretly really important. Um into kind of like keeping the flow of the game and like and like transitioning between like books and stuff properly. Uh, I don't know. How do you feel about? Do you have a? Do you have an opinion? <laughs> um, I don't know. They're they're very flavorful, and I can tell you because I'm running it that they're, they're it's marked content, right? Like it's it's new content. Um, in my game, we just kind of like you take the ferry, and two weeks later you arrive in Turtleback Ferry. Um, and my party was okay with that. Uh, I don't know. I think I do think they're interesting. I do think they're good for like these kind of interim adventures where we kind of flesh out some other things, right? Get to do some more unique little things. Um, I don't know. Importance is a hard thing to gauge. Yeah, I, it's fair. I suppose I definitely. I also think that they, like there is a downside to it. Uh, you know, if you if. Uh, I think sometimes, and this is a good thing, right? Like sometimes your players are really jonesing to kind of like hit the next objective, um, and they and I think I think this one has been good, and this one's and this one's good for Mark's game specifically because um, you know we've spent so long in Magnamar, uh, we've been doing you know ten ten of those sessions were just giant fights right um i'm not super 100 percent clear on what exactly happened story-wise because things were just kind of like so long and drawn out and so i like that this is kind of like a collection moment of some low-key getting everybody together and kind of like back on um yeah no i I definitely I, i suppose i definitely agree with that i definitely didn't hate the tournament it's just it was some so for for me personally, I think I missed like the kind of one of the introductory RP sessions, and like the tournament, just kind of the tournament, it felt kind of like, uh, you know, it, it felt kind of like, just like uh like like a pure mechanics thing because that's what it was it was kind of meant to be. It was kind of meant to be a a mechanics uh fun uh free for all, um, and I think if you know when when Mark asked us how much we wanted to do it, if I could go back in time, I'd make it a little bit smaller than it was, um. Because I think yeah, it's good to get back to like I properly motivated combat type of deal. Like, it's 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 good to be back to like well, when things happen, it's because it's because you you know something's attacking you or, or you know something's happening rather than you're fighting for the sake of fighting, which is what most of the last bit was. You know, and I have to say, I was pretty down on the tournament. You know, when we voted, I voted no tournament whatsoever, kind of predictably, but. Um... Uh, I I did that kind of as a protest vote. I knew I was I think I I was the last one to put a vote up, and I just kind of I knew that everybody else voted for like a, the full tournament, so I was just kind of like, uh, you know, flailing against the wind, uh, kind of thing. But um, I think that the tournament was you know it was good. It it was certainly uh, 
big in terms of the city overall, you know, like, and the the story stuff that did happen that I did kind of, like, latch onto, obviously, Kenzo is married now, right? And that wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for, like, this tournament or whatever. I do kind of feel like the number of fights was too many, you know? It's like 10 or 11 fights. It's a lot of fights. Um, whereas it could have been, you know, it could have been five or six, um, but it also could have just been, like, three or, like, four I think four might have been, like, a great way to kind of do it. Um, and maybe, you know, include some, some stuff with the other uh, uh, with the other teams fighting. That said, I thought the mechanics of each fight were... Oh, yeah, the fights themselves were awesome. Yeah. Um, it's just a little bit too, mu- too much of a, of a gauntlet, I guess, for, for my tastes. Um, but, yeah, like, some of, those, some of those fights I would definitely love to see in, like, a, a more natural setting. Some, you know, or, you know, like, where... Like, like a, in like a ruined temple or something, you know that that kind of thing. Like, yeah, like, definitely. Um, well, now that we've just like spent the first five minutes shitting on Mark's game, I, 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 I want to <laughs> emphasize that it wasn't like a. a no, it's, we're not we're not trying to shit on it. Just... <laughs> I really hope Mark is listening right now. Guess if the friend of the show, friend of the show, Mark, and don't the, take the that the wrong way. Yeah, yeah. I think I think part of it too is especially. You know, the end part of it was over the holidays, and, like, it, it happened this kind of stretch. It took a long, long, very long stretch of real-world time. That's true. Um, I And I also think I, – I think part of it is also the coupling of, like, a hardcore conspiracy plot with these fights – um, because the conspiracy plot itself – you know, if this is just a, a straightforward, you know, I don't know – just some other plot that kind of like accompanied the tournament i don't think it might have been as much of a as much uh trouble but uh with like this really hardcore conspiracy plot where we're trying to kind of, where we're kind of like fumbling around in the dark and trying to put together like who knows what and doing and all of these things i think that's uh the 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 interruptions of the fights were really um you know, pairing those two things together was kind of like a disjoint, almost. Yeah, I, I can um, feel that. But, uh, but yeah, and then we had Iron Gods, uh, and then in Iron Gods we fought... The Vortex Dragon. The Vortex Dragon, yeah. The, Bra- the, the Slayers of Voss. Bray, Bray, Bray Crocs or something. Man, I really hate Pathfinder names. I think a lot of them are just really garbage. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe. I don't know. I... Part part of it is that like, there's no, for a lot of characters like who cares the vortex dragon was named. We found out about it, and then within 15 minutes we were hitting it, and now it's dead. So yeah, that's also true. And then maybe, yeah, I also uh, yeah yeah. Now that I think about it, I actually do like a lot of like Hell's Rebels stuff. You know what's great about the Hell's Rebels names is that all of like these minor characters have great names like Clench Jaw. And like Zacharin Vost, I just think these. The, uh, I don't know. I've, the, See, the names so of the I'm minor with you NPCs for are awesome. Vost, but like Clench Jaw, that seems a little bit on the nose to me. Mm. That's like naming your main villain something like uh, Darth Sidious or something. So, like that. so, oh, do you think? Do you think Clench Jaw is the villain? Oh no, I just think that 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 it's an on the nose. It's 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 a very evocative name. Fair enough. Uh, like I, I, I bet you he's not say a frilly magician, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. There is, uh, it's not, um, it's not very subtle. <laughs> yeah, the I guy. Mean, it's, it's, sometimes they do it well. Like you know, he picked his name. He's called Clench Jaw 
because he bit someone's arm off or something like that. And, yeah. You know, sometimes that works. Sometimes- yeah, I'm also I'm also kind of surprised to see certain. Uh, you know, I'm also surprised to see certain names like underserved. You know, so the mercenary guy that you guys, the warden that you found out about, Kozrani Hammerhelm. Hammerhelm isn't his name. I gave him that last name. He's just Kozrani in the book. He doesn't have a last name. And I was just kind of like, well, this is weird. Like, come on. Yeah. Yeah, um, I don't know. But anyway. yeah, but Iron Gods is pretty good. Um, uh, yeah, we are really, we're really in the home stretch. Uh, I kind of, yeah. it kind of snuck up on me. Um, yeah, this dungeon has been gigantic. This this game has definitely given me some thoughts about high level play and how to kind of ba- like you know how to balance around that kind of thing because like in that this fight in particular, the dragon had true sight, which means that my gimmick, which has been saving me since I got it, which is I have permanently have um uh displacement on me didn't work and all of a sudden i just started eating damage and i was you know and not happy about it type of deal yeah i definitely feel that um the i i have i just got hell's rebels books five and six and so there it's we're into high level play as far as the books have gone and it's been something that i've been thinking a lot about because uh, high level play really does present a lot of problems, um, just kind of from like a, uh, I don't know. It just it it feels like it presents a uh, a ton of problems for uh, the kind of uh, social aspect because your diplomacy checks are like forty. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, I think that's going to be that's going to be kind of a uh, a big thing to deal with. Though at the same time. Um, uh, another friend of the podcast who I haven't referenced, or I haven't talked about in a long time, but an old friend of mine named Corey once, uh, we had a discussion about super high level play and he was like, uh, I think super high level PCs are fine. They just kind of have to live in a world with super high level NPCs, uh, to kind of counteract them. So I, and I think that that's actually pretty insightful. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. Like, if, if you remember his, um, his epic level game, uh, back at Hopkins, he did a fairly good job with that. Um, yeah, that's exactly what I'm referencing. He and I were kind of talking about it uh, I, afterwards or before, around it to a certain extent. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I guess that's it for uh, D&D stuff. What, what have you been, what have your video gaming tastes been like? Uh, well, I just got back to my desktop, so I've been putting some time into Xenoblade Chronicles X again since I haven't been able to play it for a month. And I'm, I'm, I still haven't really gotten that far into it. I'm still kind of in the intro stuff, but I'm, I'm liking it. It's kind of like a, uh, it, it's the word I've heard it described. It's kind of like a single player MMO. Um, and I'm, I'm interested to see if it can hold my attention for a while. Um, also been playing a while league. Um, it was a, lot, a thing I could play a lot when I was back in, uh, back yeah, in. Yeah, it's a pretty light, uh, game for like a laptop. Yeah, it's, 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 it's light in terms of system requirements because they want everybody to run it. Even even people on their like Nokia N gauges and the like, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was it's that's fun. I'm excited for the new patch. I'm excited for the new champion. Um, not sure how I feel about the Shen rework. Um, just because it seems I I, I feel like I want to like toy with that before I before I you know um, feel, feel about it type of deal. Yeah, I do. I mean, I haven't played League. In a while. It's been like a month since I've played League or whatever. But I, I agree with you about kind of the Shen rework and Jin and everything. Um, I they, they just got re- announced uh, 
yesterday and today for us at the time of recording. And I'm a big believer in withholding judgment until you have numbers because uh, I really do think there's a lot of numbers kind of make or break a champion. Oh, absolutely. I'm um, actually – I go a step further than that. I'm, I'm, I like to with, withhold judgment until I actually play the thing because – I, I you know I, I feel like numbers tell a lot of the story, but it, it's hard to kind of feel that out until you actually get your hands on the champ. Yeah, that's fair. I just mean in like a predictive sense, right? Sure. Like I don't like yeah, pre- yeah. you know like when when we really we, you get these champion reveals and then we put it in like a giant Facebook chat with all of our friends. Everyone and never do the goblins. He looks broken, or you know like he looks like I you don't know, like stacking passives. I, <laughs> I know that you know oh three hit passives. God, the designers should be embarrassed, right? Like all of these kinds of things or whatever and i and i kind of want to step back from that uh i think the numbers are really important to kind of like make that gauge but i think Jin looks great not just because they're using a mechanic that you and i ta- have talked about in the past that i think is uh, a really neat idea for an ad carry this kind of thing where he doesn't have attack speed or he doesn't benefit from attack speed in the traditional sense he always attacks at the same rate um but uh he gets AD from his attack speed and from his critical strike chance and everything. And I think that that's really awesome. And I think the the unsung thing that I think is going to happen when he gets released, and this is unconfirmed, obviously. I haven't played the PBE or whatever. Uh, but I think the un- unsung thing about his release will be the kind of the cadence of it. Because he's going to have a consistent attack speed um, that it, I think it's going to feel good to be attacking at like your maximum rate which is going to be like it's, it's going to be rhythmic which is like i really love these kinds of touches right uh it's going to be rhythmic rhythmic which like feeds into almost uh the the fantasy of his like artist his like crazy artist musician uh, super almost, obsessed musician you know, uh, hitting on quarter notes type of deal exactly i think that's gonna that's gonna be yeah, uh, no, I, I think I, it's gonna be neat i, I think from like a, a more mechanical perspective it's also going to be cool because that's a champion that you can – learning how to orb walk on him is not something you ever have to adjust, right? Like, it's it's always the same. I think it will be cool from that perspective. Ooh, that is actually kind of interesting. I learned how to orb, orb walk with Draven because he very obviously demands it of yeah. you. Um, but, uh, yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think that's true. I also am up in the air about the Shen rework. I really don't like his dodge mechanic. It seems very weird to me. Um yeah, I, I also don't like – so the thing that's got me worried the most is, is how to reposition that spirit sword. It seems like the only reposition is on the Q. Yeah, I don't know if that, it's got like yeah. a tether or something, like, like if it's got like a max range or something. It just seems like it's – it's it's uh, it'll be interesting though because it's, it's – you know, it's it's a low cooldown ability and he's an energy champion. So he should theoretically be able to, to use it fairly frequently um, and make that not an issue, but uh, – yeah, I think the the problem will be kind of how precise he can be with it, um, yeah. which I think is why that this dodge thing is kind of as powerful on paper as it is, uh, because it's obviously uh, you know keyed to uh, it's keyed to the sword, so it's it's hard to be precise with it. Yeah, which I don't know. I, I'm, I'm on the, yeah on a on face. My 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 initial thought would be is that what they're probably looking for is something like. The trade-off between pulling the sword to you to get the extra damage and leaving it somewhere to protect your allies. Um, and what might end up happening is it's kind of, well, he's Shen. 
So you just leave the sword at your allies and don't give a shit about damage and just use it for the dodge anyway. Yeah, I kind of feel that. Uh, to be honest, I don't know. I feel I feel awkward about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I haven't been playing League. I've, I've substituted League with World of Warcraft for the most part. Um, and... Uh, and Mass Effect 2. But uh, but I actually, I, I wanted to ambush you about something because I played another game this week. Oh. And it's a game that we, and it's a game that we've talked about recently. So just for context for the viewers, uh, I guess last week one of our friends uh, remembered that Mango uh, judged the game Depression Quest to be all right. That and you got not... very frustrated. Well, I was mostly frustrated because of the person who said, who because he was insisting it was true. One, I do not like Depression Quest at all. And two, I was frustrated because in the way that this person is, <laughs> he, he was insisting that it happened when when it, it, it right. Didn't. And and so and so you corrected him and you said that you thought it was terrible. Right. You provided yeah. textual evidence from uh you know September of the year it came out. You know whatever. September well, not the year it came year. out. It, it was it was at the time or when claimed, it, when it was he, huge. Yeah, it, it, was, it was at the time. That he claimed that I had that I had shared my opinion with him, and uh, and uh, even today I made like a passing reference to Depression Quest, and you said, you know, you said that that game is terrible, and that that game isn't even worth being free. Like they should pay people to play that game. Um, what? Yeah. Why? What? Why um, do you dislike Depression Quest so much? Um, the, the comment about paying having to pay people to play is mostly just. It was mostly just like fluff and the kind of you know showmanship that gets in that gets uh you know involved in when when speaking loudly in a crowded room um but i just i i didn't like when I played it I didn't find it compelling I didn't find it interesting um and in a sense the thing that aggravated me the most about it was the accolades it got for being what, in my view, was was not a good game. Um, I felt similarly about Gone Home. Gone Home, I think, is a much better game than Depression Quest. But I didn't think Gone Home was good. And not that it's a worse game for getting accolades for it, but it, it makes me more likely to feel strongly and more likely to comment on it that a game that I feel is not very good um, got, uh, got, you know, critical acclaim. Hey man, I'm I'm a film buff, and we are entering into Oscar season, so I 100% you know kind of get that uh, uh, tension, right? That tension between right, like, well, did it deserve? Did it deserve best picture? Right? Like, you know, is Alejandro Inarritu really the best director? Kind of thing. Um, uh, spoiler alert: He's not. Some derps talk about movies. <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, but I played Depression Quest. When, when that conversation happened, I was like, man, I really should just, I should just play Depression Quest. So I just took, you know, like my lunch break that day uh, and I played through Depression Quest. And first of all, I was like, wow, I kind of can't believe Mango hates this so much. And second of all, I was like, wow, this is really good. You, I, 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 I really, really, I, I don't like it in like, a, it's not my favorite. I'm probably never going to go back to it or whatever, but I really, really, it was way better uh, than I expected uh, because that mechanic, dude, that mechanic is so good. Oh, I just like, I was sitting there and I was just thinking about it for like an hour afterwards and I was just like, this mechanic is so which, beautiful Which mechanic, and elegant. Are, mechanic are you talking so about? So specifically. I haven't played the game in a, in, uh, 
what yeah fair years. enough uh so specifically i really um you know the, the the game is for people who don't know uh it's a big you know uh written text kind of prompt and then you get you know a couple of dialogue choices so to speak uh on how you want to handle the situation that you've just been presented with right uh the top of your of your dialogue tree is favorable things right that are going to make you less depressed and the bottom of it are things that are going to make you more depressed and kind of the quote-unquote goal of the game is to get undepressed uh as much as you can so to speak um but that's really kind you know it's it's not a goal oriented game like that there is no driving for a win state is kind of the inappropriate way to play the game like it is really like a true role-playing experience in the sense that you are kind of getting the wrong experience if you just keep pressing that top uh answer or whatever but anyway um the the mechanic that i'm talking about is um depending on your depression level right how depressed you are uh, certain of those options on how you move forward are going to be stricken out uh, with like red text or whatever. And I was just, and, and you know, they could have just not included them, right? And they could have just given you fewer and fewer options kind of like underneath the hood uh, in order to like drive this point home. But I think that the, the red strikeout is such a great metaphor because it's not just that you can't do these things. It's that you see the right answer, right? You see the answer is to go to this party and have a good time, but you just can't do it, right? You are just paralyzed by it and you can't click on that answer. And that like, that feeds into almost like that weird self-loathing spiral of it that keeps sending you uh, further and further kind of down. And that's not even and that's not even like all of it, right? Because the other half of it is that, you know, what something I really enjoyed about it was sometimes you would have two answers back to back. One of them would be completely stricken out like, hey, go to the party, have a good time. And the other one would be, well, you're really tired and you're not quite into it, but you feel like you've been neglecting your girlfriend lately. Um and so you want to go for her, right? And both of those answers end up in the same point, right? You both end up by going to the party or whatever, but the context of it is framed in such a way that I, I just, I thought that was so great. I thought that was so uh, great. And honestly, and this is kind of feeding into a bigger point that is something I've been thinking about, especially since playing Mass Effect 2, because I think Mass Effect 2 does this wonderfully. Um, I really feel like there's kind of a... Uh, you know, there's a wealth of really engaging mechanics, right? There's a wealth of, like, mechanics that you can really sink your teeth into and kind of wrap your head around. Um, but I'm not... I feel like something that games are lacking to a certain extent are mechanics that serve as a metaphor, uh, you know, like, serve as a metaphor for what's going on in the story. Um, it's kind of the opposite of ludonarrative dissonance, like ludonarrative consonance, right? When like the mechanics in the story are both working towards the same goal and they're like interwoven really well. I think that's a great thing. It's a really awesome thing that we don't like quite celebrate enough. Uh, I don't know in games. That's, that, that's fair. Now, so I'll, I'll let you know why I was not, um, hit in such a positive way by these things is from, Moment like one or two, like the pre like I never thought my choices mattered in that game. Like it never fooled me into thinking that I could 
choose something better. Like I was, I was, this may or may not be true because I never played the game a second time, but I, I felt that those red options would always be red, no matter how I played the game type of deal. Um, like I didn't feel like I was actually accomplishing anything. Like I, I, interesting. Like in, 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 in the kind of way where like, you know, you know, like, you know, I, I get it. I kind of got the point of the game within like, you know, 30 seconds and, was reading something that I didn't think was particularly well written at the time. Um, maybe, you know, I, I had, like I said, I haven't read in a long time and I was just like, I'm just reading a blog post that I have to click through and I'm not getting anything. Like it's like, because that illusion of choice had been shattered, I felt like I, like I wasn't really doing anything. I didn't think that like the story behind it was enough to keep driving me forward to it. I spent a little bit of time uh, kind of exploring the possibility space uh, because I think that's a bit of what, you know, it's kind of what the game is asking of you to a certain extent. Um, and uh, so I did a little bit of that. But to be honest, I guess I didn't really get to a, I didn't really get to a super clear answer. I just kind of assumed that it worked that way. But even if it doesn't, it kind of, you know, is still, uh, uh, it's still whatever because the point is made. But yeah, I, I definitely see what you're saying about like, the blog post nature of it, it really, it hit me, it hit me really hard over the end at first, and, um, and then I just kind of fell into it in a weird way, I, I don't know, because it's not particularly well written, uh, and it is really unsubtle, um, there's, like, but all, but, it, you know, that was kind of fine, because, like, I felt as though the game, uh, needed the, it needed the text to be super literal and super straightforward um because all of the subtext was in that mechanic um and in that kind of like you know this is this is what it feels like to be to be that that frustrated right and to kind of spiral out of control um and eventually uh, you know and I, I don't know eventually i did kind of get into an okay spot with it too because there were definitely times you know like there's the, there's a time where you try and open up to your mom about it but she's kind of like offhandedly dismissive about it, and it's f- and it, it's great because the writing is so literal that like it is super straightforward. But you also feel I, like I also like got it right, like I got that emotional moment really, uh, uh, really clearly. Um, I don't know, I don't know about it. I just I was very surprised at your uh, ridiculous disdain uh, for this for this game. Yeah, I mean, like, like, like I, like I said before, the the vehemence is probably more of a reaction to our other friend claiming that I said it was all right. Yeah, fair um, enough. <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, it's like, like, I, like I said, like Gone Home, Gone Home, which again I think is a much better game than Depression Quest, but I also think is ultimately a poor game. Um, the like the the story wasn't good enough for like for me and like like. I've got my I've got different problems with Gone Home, and I would encourage you to play that game at some point if you can. I really do want to play that game. The problem I have with kind of all of these games is, uh, in a way, they feel. I mean, in a, in a way, they feel pretentious. Is like the most obvious statement of the sure. decade. But um, I, I, you know, I really like them. I really like these games because I like the focus on writing. I like the focus on story and everything like that. But I, I really hate this like oil and water kind of mindset that. And this happens in the AAA industry from the other perspective as well. Uh, I really hate this, like, um, you know, 
uh, League of Legends thing where like there is you know like there is no story or whatever. It's just it's just mechanics or whatever. Like I I, I feel like the the perfect game is something that marries great mechanics with you know, great story, right? And it's not a content muncher. It's not like Half-Life or something where, you you know, like there, there's a blend in there somewhere to be found um, and it's just not necessarily... Uh, wait, wait, wait. I, have, I have to ask you, are you calling out Half-Life there? Uh, Kind of. Uh, I don't think Half-Life 2 is all that great. Oof. I was just trying to think of... I, I literally was just trying strong, to think of like that's, uh, the th- content those are, muncher. Those are some strong words. Oof. Do I you, feel like, what, what do you like about... Oh, so uh, this, this is not... I don't, a, mind, I don't mind exploring this tangent. Th- th- this is, it, 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 I don't think it's a tangent we can really explore because I never... I got sick when I played the hoverboat scene in Half-Life 2, so I never finished that game, but it is, it is a widely... Um, you know, it's, it's, it's widely accoladed game. Yeah, I do not mind picking a fight with uh, with him. No, that, that's I just wanted to make that that Be, clear. Well, because you know, so so a content muncher uh, to kind of like define terms is it, it has been defined in a couple of different ways, but it's a, gr- a great metaphor for it. Is like. Uh, the uh it's like reading a book where the pages are stuck together and you have to like be really you know what I mean? you just have to like you spend all this time pulling them apart and then you get and then you get the thing and a content muncher is describing a lot of games could be content munchers right but it's really describing where you do gameplay section gameplay section gameplay section and then are like almost rewarded with the cutscene um right and uh i i think that's like really bad way to do i think it's just bad in general um and which isn't by the way anything against cutscenes or cinematics right i mean mass effect 2 right i was, I was gonna say that sounds exactly it, right? like the mass effect games um well so like the mass effect games in the mass effect games story segments are different because you also have control during the story segments like the they're blended a lot better because, oh, be, because even you during the say so- things right be, because you choose okay. what to say you choose how to react uh kind of stuff right so you're it's it's blended they're also better um split up if that makes sense right like you'll enter into a short minute and a half cutscene in the middle of the mission to deal with you know what i mean to deal with some hostages they got left and so oh here's your cutscene get a little bit of talking back and forth whatever choose what to do with the hostages great what and then you move on um so it's not like half-life has these like 20 minute periods of just shooting dudes right and then you're rewarded with like five minutes of cutscene where you can go make a fucking sandwich. And I just thought that that, that interaction is kind of fundamentally uh, uh, poor. Um, another good example of kind of like an anti-content muncher would be something like, uh, you know, like Bioshock where you are in control of the – even during the quote-unquote cutscenes, uh, you know, you're in control of the player. A lot of your uh, – a lot of the – uh, storytelling is done, quote-unquote, environmentally. By the way, can I just say, environmental storytelling is not something unique or new to games. It's called Maison Sen. It's existed in theater for millennia, literally. Like, we can chill out, games people. This is this is not our thing. Um, but yeah, anyway, I don't really remember what I, why I brought up Half-Life 2 in the first place at this point. Uh. Oh, I, oh, right. Because, sorry, to, just to finish that point. The oil and waterness of gameplay and story, it's, that's not a thing. I don't believe that, right? I think that's what bad designers think, and that's what bad designers do. Um, and that good designers do, like, the kind of telltale thing where, you know, like, yeah, they're QTEs, but the, the, the telltale QTEs are really well designed because for a, lot of the, for a lot of them, those mechanics are 
are, you know, like the metaphors that I'm talking about, right? Like you get to feel the, uh, you know, you get to kind of like feel the franticness with which Lee is slamming a ball peen hammer into a zombie's face way after it's been killed. You know what I mean? And I think that that's, that's important. Uh, and I think that's really like well done. And so these games like Gone Home, uh, which are hyper mechanics light or whatever, um, being touted as super awesome is like say it, it's like saying I'm trying to think of a good like cross media example, but I don't really have one. Um, it's it, there. It's a squandering a huge opportunity because by being so mechanics light, they're missing out on the ability to inform uh, the player with with mechanics right as well as just with dialogue and story and all of that other stuff yeah i i feel like we could probably again spend as as is popular on this podcast we spend the whole episode (laughs) on on proper um mise-en-scene and uh and proper like like the gameplay uh your oil and water point um but i think it's best that we move uh, That's definitely yeah. We've been here for thirty minutes. Yeah, I think it's best <laughs> to move to um, some stuff about pay to win. Man, we should really write these like alternate <laughs> alternate topics down, right? Yeah, because whenever we're tr- we're figuring out the top four routes, it's always so haphazard. Yeah. Uh, and we've started all of these conversations that we've never finished. Anyway, pay to win, right? I, I'm I'm with you. Uh, yeah. This was your topic. So what 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 brought this about? So uh, why why is yeah. So the reason that this came up is, is as I have mentioned on previous podcasts, I am very hype for this game called Black Desert that's supposed to come out this quarter. And one of the big things is it's, it's a Korean MMO that's out in Korea, but they're, they're bringing it to, to North America and Europe, and they're localizing it, including significant developmental changes, um, including it's free-to-play in Korea, it's going to be buy-to-play in America and Europe, and it's going to be a cash shop, but as of yet they have set... Um, They've they've given some information about the cash up, but not a ton. Um, and so, what one of the big discussions that surrounds kind of all the threads talking about this is, you know, is this game going to be pay to win? And then people arguing about what constitutes pay to win, um, because there's 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 like a, a lot of different views there. And also, um, we've also had these conversations recently about um, say mobile games and their pay to win status and whether or not. Um, those games are are pay to win or not, but I I was just kind of I kind of wanted to dig into like the advantages and disadvantages of, of these kinds of systems. Like the, the biggest one that struck me that had never occurred to me before is that when you one of a a big uh, issue is that when you have a cash system a cash shop of any sort in an MMO, um, whether or not you can sell those cash bought items on the auction house is a big point of contention among people because. On the one hand, you have people who want to be able to buy those items with in-game currency, um, and um, and on the other hand, you have people who don't want that to happen because that means that you can affect, like, even though you're not paying directly for for cash, you are at some level, um, you turning your 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 dollars into into coins, um, and that that was kind of like the the interesting. Kind of the, um, so. Well, wow, uh, there's kind of a lot to get into here. But uh, first of all, as someone who works uh, on – well, actually, okay, let me – I'll back that up for a second. Having played a lot of WoW recently, this has been a – I have played WoW for a long time, listeners. Um, I played during vanilla. 
Uh, I played extensively during Vanilla, and then I quit for Burning Crusade for stupid reasons, and then came back for Wrath of the Lich King, and that's when I played, like, the hardest core, and I've basically gone, come, like, off and on ever since. I really enjoy WoW. I think it's a great game. Uh, it's one of, uh, it's kind of, like, one of those games that I always, like, kind of come back to, and then you know, exert, uh, exert myself and then leave kind of thing. But that was a big question a couple of years ago with WoW because they have an in-game shop, right, where you could buy mounts or whatever. Um, and for the first couple of them, all of those mounts were, uh, you know, they were soulbound. They were bind-on pickup, right? And then all of a sudden Blizzard released a mount that was bind-on equip. So I could buy this $20 mount and then go put it on the auction house, right? And kind of in effect, right, uh, I, I spent that $20, somebody on the auction house bought it for 10,000 gold, and I just spent $20 for 10,000 gold or whatever. Um, and uh, I, I don't know. I mean, the, the, the Winged Guardian, which is what I'm referencing, it, it was, it's a mount, you know? It's just, uh, there are easy mounts to get in the game. It's not like uh, it's not like somebody is going to be hard pressed for the gold to buy a mount. Uh, most most players have dozens, uh, unless you're like me and you have hundreds of mounts. Um, so I, so it's not like that's really winning, right? And I don't think that uh, I I guess I don't necessarily I don't think the the the, the principle I I feel like I'm proving is that just the ability to turn real world cash into in-game coins doesn't necessarily make pay to win as far as i'm concerned um because uh you know even though i could buy the best gear off of the auction house with it or whatever um it's so indirect it's just so indirect that like it's it's really tough to to parse that to uh, parse I, that I system think, i think there's other parts of it too that you're that you um you're kind of like this is because you don't you haven't been following Black Desert at all, and I, I that's th probably fair. Um, and I think that you know I understand your point, but I also think the realities of the WoW system are also a little bit different. Um, in WoW you can't buy the best gear off the auction house; it has to be um one through raids and and the like, right? You can't just straight out flat out buy the best the best gear. At least the last time I played, is that still true? Uh, well, to a certain extent. I mean, because it's it's a progressive thing, right? Like, you can't access that gear until you have the... Like, uh, I can't access mythic-level raiding gear until I have heroic-level raiding gear, until I have normal-level raiding gear kind of thing. So, hypothetically speaking, I could go on the auction house, spend 100,000 gold to get the best crafted items I could possibly buy um, in order to, like... Uh, jump over some of those hurdles right? sure and that but that, um, that that sure cuts you to a certain point it's not it's not how you get the best stuff in the game which i, I think it's actually in my mind at least a very important important piece in this determination like i personally i don't mind things like say xp boosts so much um so long as they like or like you know in wow you can buy a level you can level up your character to to max level for what is it sixty bucks? Yeah, it's sixty bucks. Um, and I don't mind that so much because it's not like you can make your character the like you can't pay to win, but you can pay to like, like well pay to skip. Yeah, I yeah, think is what yeah. we're addressing. Yeah. Um. The 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 difference here is that in Black Desert you can buy the best stuff off the auction house. Um, and the other thing is that there is no direct player-to-player -player trading system at the moment. Um, 
uh, I think it's kind of, at least to, to my eye, it's kind of a mystery as to whether or not this is an intentional decision to keep gold gold farmers from existing. Um, I think also part of this is that uh, gold, like the economy of most MMOs, is just blown the fuck out. It's 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 the games any game that's popular enough, the 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 gold values are just like you can't have a real running economy because it's 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 done. Um, there's, there's somebody that's farming somewhere and has like near infinite gold and, and the, the, the supply demand doesn't work out well, but um, I don't know that I agree with that. To be honest, I think WoW's economy is great. I definitely have seen MMOs with really garbage economies. Uh, in fact, wow. Now that I kind of like put this into my own terms, I think WoW is the only one that has a good economy, but WoW has always had a good economy. I don't think WoW my... has a good economy. I think WoW has a very stable economy. I don't think it's, I don't think it's a... When when I say so, so to kind of explain what I mean by a good economy, I mean you can't like you're like if you go and sell something on the auction house in like a a, a mildly populated server, everything's kind of like the set price that you see on like Wowhead or whatever the current like ad, you know auction house averaging uh, site is, and that's not like that's not a I don't like that because it's not like a living breathing economy to me. That's kind of like a well, gold kind of hovered at this this standard of like X gold equals Y ores, and everything's kind of measured in terms of that. Um, this is sort of anecdotal, but uh, well, it's actually really not. It's just kind of my experience has been different. I've made money on the auction house. So I actually really like playing the auction house. It's really uh, it's super interesting to me. Um, but I've definitely done that. You know, like I I had in order to buy uh my what was at the time like the most expensive mount like the most prestigious like mount thing that you could get in the game um i literally cornered the market on something uh on you know just like one of the random ore types or whatever where i would log on you know like every couple of hours and i would post my auctions at a fixed price and anybody that undercut me i would just buy them out right because i i and so uh, and I was just doing it so much and so frequently that the rate of return, I was constantly buying all of the ore that was undercutting me. Um, and I was selling enough ore at my price to kind of make up the difference, so to speak, uh, to a point where I wasn't even farming the ore anymore. I was just fulfilling that trade. And I did that for like two weeks straight um, until I bought this mount. And then I promptly quit. I bought the mount. I you know, sold the rest of my ore and then I quit the game for three months. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, that's something that you have to do that you can do, uh, in wow. I've done it. I did it in warlords with savage bloods. Um, a lot of people in warlords do it with, you know, kind of various, uh, various things. I don't know. I, uh, uh see, that, that's not been in my experience. And also it's, that seems, like I think you have, I think you have to have a lot of gold to like access that to a certain extent. Are- I had to have, I had to have the capital to, corner of the market right um but i definitely did i definitely did (laughs) sure i mean i I get that but i I think that's maybe what i'm getting at right like everything just exists in such high volumes that especially on a more populated server right like i I know you i know that when we when we have played together we've played on relatively low population servers where things are a little bit more flexible but um I I just in in almost every case I found that like there's there's somebody there is somebody doing what you're describing like setting up uh um setting up like essentially monopolies on 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 the goods and that's kind of like 
if you have enough money to play that game, I guess, but it's not really part of the core system because it's 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 at such a high level of of uh, of of like gold percentage. And I think that something they're trying to do with Black Desert, on on the other hand, is trying to keep it keep things more reasonable and keep you know materials more rare and whatnot by by not kind of allowing you to to um to 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 fill. Essentially, it, it's hard to kind of get a ton of extra stuff into the game. As far as I understand, obviously I've never played or not. Obviously I, I did not go and get the Russian or Japanese or Korean version of the game and patch it uh, with the English stuff. But I think that's part of why um to bring it back that, that people are, are concerned about um, putting things on the auction house, being able to kind of circumvent that kind of protection that, that the game. has. Yeah. I feel that uh, because honestly, that reads a lot like the problems with Diablo three to me. Um, I, I I don't know. I don't know anything specific about the game, but just what you're what you're describing sounds a hell of a lot like uh, the the initial release of Diablo three, where stuff was uh, I don't know, kind of so rare as to be uh, not worth sure. the time in a, in a certain sense, and that is uh you know that's. I, that's a real problem. Uh, I that's think we can too. all say that Diablo three, the Diablo three's real money auction house, distinctively failed. Um, yeah. Um, I think part of that too is that it's also different objectives, right? Like I think Diablo, Diablo's um, real money auction house, which I think in in many ways was a pay to win system. Like there was a point at which you you couldn't, if, if, even if you were just paying with gold and farming out gold, you couldn't advance without without past like a money wall. Um, yeah. Uh, the part of the failure there was that loot is kind of the main thrust of that game, um, and I don't think that's true in Black Desert. I don't think that's true in a lot of MMOs. There are other things you can do for fun without necessarily having the the best best uh, you know sl- uh, skeleton whacker. But I think that's all that Diablo that Diablo games are by design. They are they are loot whoring adventures. Um, which is fine if you if for for what they are, but they, I think they get particu- hit particularly hard by these kinds of uh, of systems that allow you to, to to introduce real money into the equation somewhere. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I I feel that, but I also think you know I don't think pay to skip is necessarily bad. I think it's a sli- this is what I think is so bad about the you know, ironically um, about. Uh, like four or five hours ago, uh, Total Biscuit, who I don't particularly like, uh, but I keep track of kind of his thoughts because I think he's a pretty good aggregate for kind of like the gamer. But you know, we should have like a on to- on like alternate topics. We should have like a content creators thing where we kind of talk about this stuff. Anyway, uh, he put out a video that was like. Uh, the most clickbaity title I've ever heard. Five words I'd like to uh, see retired from game discussion. And the very first one, which he talked for like 20 minutes about, is pay to win. Um, and, you know, he's a big definition stickler. Uh, and um, I think a lot of people that use pay to win are kind of taking advantage of the fact that the definition of pay to win has really kind of slipped downhill. Uh, by by its nature, because pay to skip stuff like we're talking about can be pay to win, right? This is this is what the most mobile game. This is what a lot of iOS games are, right? Um, 
they are presenting you with, uh, you know, like Clash of Clans or whatever. They're, they're presenting you with these time-based mechanics, these energy-based mechanics that are quite literally pitting your patience versus, uh, you know, your patience versus your your money, right? Like, are you I, patient I, I, enough to to I, hold I, out, so to speak? And I think more sinister than that, it's not it's not only are you patient enough, but um. You know, are you willing to fall behind somebody else who is willing to pay money? Type of like, you know, that that's the other pushing factor. Something like Clash of Clans or Farmville. You know, if Betty Sue down the street pays fourteen dollars for a purple cow, are you are you really willing to sit there and let your farm fall behind hers because uh, because you weren't willing to shell out cash? Uh, pay to pay to, or uh, sorry, Clash of Clans. I agree with that in the context of. Uh, it is a multiplayer game where you are fighting, like, other players' garrisons or whatever they're called. I played Clash of Clans for a while, but not all that much. Um, but, you know, I, I actually don't really think that's true in something like Candy Crush, right? I think that the kind of the community and the, that competition that you're getting at is kind of, like, extra. Sure. Yeah. That, that, yeah I, it's I think it's not right. a part of the core experience, for, for, for necessarily. Candy, for Candy Crush, it's definitely not there. Candy Crush, it's, like... Are you willing to wait to do your time waster? Right, that's exactly it's exactly what I mean, right? Like, are you willing to be patient enough for your time yeah. waster to refill your tries, um, or are you just going to buy it? And so I think that's what you know. This is where pay to skip gets very sinister, right? Yeah. Um, but then, but then I put it up against league games like League, where technically speaking, we're talking about the exact same thing, right? Like, you if if I buy a champion with RP, I'm paying to skip that grind. Uh, to sure. get all of the IP to get the game. But I think that the rate at which it's done is is entirely fair in League and doesn't qualify League to be a pay-to-win system whatsoever. Um, and, uh, you know, I've heard a lot of arguments. I've seen people talk about it. I, I see people get bent out of shape about it, obviously. Uh, but I just don't – I just fundamentally don't agree. I don't think League is pay-to-win. Uh, same thing with Hearthstone to a certain extent. Uh, people get really up in arms about Hearthstone and how you kind of have to pay-to-win – uh, in order to play that game, and I empathize. Wallet I warriors. see where they're, yeah, I see where they're coming from in like kind of an emotional context, but I think kind of ra- rationally, I just don't agree. I don't think Hearthstone uh, so is paid to win either. I, I think that something you're, you're touching upon that I think can can really be explored is that I think there's a big difference between pay to win and pay to skip, but I think you can also have very bad pay to skip systems as well. Right, that's what that's what I, I mean. mean. But in, even in kind of like a, you know. I don't think the WoW $60 character upgrade is bad. Um, I think that's an okay pay to skip. Um, and, and thinking about it, I think that's because the leveling process is not a bad process. They have some really good, you know, 1 to 60 content. Um, the middle levels, the levels between that and cap being a varying quality because of their age or whatever. But, um, and, in, in you know, even, even the later stuff is, is pretty good. Like, those, those quests are not bad but i think if like if, if instead say wow just had like an open plane that you had to grind boars you know uh yeah, for yeah. for to hit level 60 i think that that skip would definitely that, that pay to skip would definitely be terrible it's that it's saying are you willing to kind of like throw your body against a mindless rock for for 60 hours or do you want to pay to skip it right that's, that's kind of what i mean i think those bad bad pay to skip systems yeah. are straight up pay to win bad 
right? They yeah. are pay to win as far as I'm concerned. And this is why the definition is slid so far, right? Because all of a sudden we're introducing a scale into it, right? Where certain pay to skip is good, certain pay to skip is bad. It all depends on the context, right? Yeah. But you're boiling it down to just one three-word phrase that is generally speaking used to just shut down conversations about certain games right. because, uh, you know, pay to win is some kind of uh, some kind of like ridiculous sin. I've, 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 in our DLC episode, we talked about this. I, I, I explained uh, the the pay to win quote unquote system of Dragon Age Two and how I thought that was entirely appropriate in the context of the game. Even it, and it, it literally does this cardinal sin that we're talking about, right? I paid real money to get the very best items and equipment. Um, to get you know not to fill off to fill out my party obviously but to get the best items and equipment for my uh for my party right that is on paper right like according to you know reddit or whatever kind of hive mind we're attacking um that is bad that is pay to win that is bad or whatever but in the context of dragon age 2 it's Great, it's fine. It allows me to skip all of this ridiculous inventory management, which I don't think is built to, to frustrate the player, right? Like, I don't think that's, like, its job or anything. Uh, on subsequent playthroughs, so that when I'm playing Dragon Age 2 for the third or fourth time, I'm not sitting here, like, you know, contemplating whether or not this red steel broadsword is going to be an upgrade. Uh, I can just not worry about it. And I think that that's, um, I don't know, I think, like, this is why it gets really it gets really hazy, right? You know, yeah, it's really I think, tough. I think part of, of the Dragon Age thing there as well is that it's a single player game, and so ultimately, whether if you're going to pay to win, that's that's kind of your prerogative, right? It's the same thing as kind of as cheating with like a like a hex editor, um, you know, it, 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 with a single player game, I think this kind of thing kind of falls out entirely. Yeah, I'm. I'm just saying, right? That 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 it's hard to assign a rigid definition to this thing, and the yeah. looseness of its definition is the source of this kind of uh, controversy. I, it's pretty, I mean, it is controversy, but it's stupid controversy, right? You know, uh, I think. I mean, I, I'm sure we'll we'll have an in-depth discussion of GamerGate, but I will take a GamerGate controversy over people using shitty definitions to try and attack people, you know, who like a game too much any day. Like, yeah, I I think that, um, I I, I think I think you're right. I, I think the the problem is is that, um, there is like the, these are legitimate concerns, and then they're of different concerns to different people at different levels, right? And like. The way so if if I wanted to know if if a game has this problem, the easiest way to ask that question is is this game pay to win, right? And obviously you, you want like something more than a yes or a no. You want like a nuanced like paragraph long answer about what why this could be one way or, or could be another, and you can decide that for yourself. But I think that this kind of like and, you know and, and kind of we talked about um uh, last week you know this kind of like defensiveness that people are is like because it's got such a negative connotation, right? If you know. If I go to my favorite game and I see that someone has said, oh, someone's like, is this game pay to win? He's like, oh, yeah, you can, you know, do this. He's like, no, no, this thing that I like, someone has impugned it. I must ride to its defense once more. And, you know, <laughs> you, you, you put up like, you know, this, 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 this big front of like, no, it's not pay to win because you are not paying to win. You are paying to something, you know, like just th that kind of thing, right? Where like the, like you're right, the, the term is so demonized um that uh you know it's at some level any any game is really or not any game but like 
any buy to play game is pay to win because you can't win the game if you can't play it, I guess. Um, type of deal. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I feel that. I I I mean, this kind of gets into the problems with free to play, uh, kind of in general. I I like free to play. I think uh, kind of having nuanced and differing uh, business uh, kind of aspects to how you're going to monetize your game is neat. You know, I think it's uh, I think it's good and it allows for things. I really what I really like about it. I used to not like it, but um, eventually it was explained to me, or I just like read the in the right posts somewhere how a free to play game isn't. You know, it's not really free to play, right? The, what it really is is it's like set your own amount of money i have poured hundreds of dollars into league at this point right uh, but i really like that game and i think and i think it's great and i want to support right so i don't mind buying skins for my favorite champions right like and and i like that i like that interaction um where i can kind of choose how much this game is worth to me to a certain extent uh, and I really like that about free to play, but uh, you know, I re- I don't think free. You know, people who talk about like, oh, free to play is the future of video games, like that. Uh, that is a frightening kind of idea because I don't think that there is such thing as a good free to play single player game. Um, and I think that you know, kind of, I mean, maybe sixty dollars is too much or whatever, right? Um, but I think that yeah, paying upfront paying 15 bucks up front to get the banner saga and then not have to worry about uh how that business model interacts with the gameplay and interacts with the story is a great thing as far as i'm concerned because those things can be really disruptive to the wrong game you know like like game endingly disruptive um so yeah i don't know it's it's a little bit like uh you know it's a little bit like this games is our games as sport thing to a certain extent where like certain games are going to be paid to, or certain games are going to be free to play. Certain games are going to be buy to play. Certain games are going to be $60 flat. Certain games are going to be $60 up front and then a $50 season pass uh, for like, you know, whatever kind of down the line. And I think that that variety should be maintained uh, almost as much as possible because not every business plan is going to fit every game and it gets really dangerous when we say that assassin's creed uh egypt or whatever just got leaked so to speak um is going to be you know like the first free to play assassin's creed but you you know in order to use the bows and arrows like you've gotta you know you've gotta pay with in-game whatever that you can buy with crystals (laughs) you know like that is uh, that's a frightening future yeah, no, I, I definitely feel that. I, I think I think you're right. You hit on something that, you know, certain, it works for certain games. It doesn't for others. Um, I am hesitant to, to say that there will never be a good um, free-to-play single-player game. Um, I think maybe it doesn't exist yet, but I don't think it's impossible. I don't think anything's Okay, yeah, fair enough. You're right. Yeah, it's not impossible. I'm sure that somebody right. somewhere has figured out a good way to, to like, make that work. If, or will in the future. Like, I, I think, like, a very easy kind of idea for this is like if you know if the first episode of the walking dead was free and you had to pay for the rest of them i think that's like a perfectly acceptable type of model because it's just kind of like teasing you in with the first with the first bite for free and, and lets you it makes you pay get for you the, hooked on yeah. that beautiful story crack something like that yeah <laughs> that, that emotional that emotional cocaine <laughs> yeah i mean in, in, in essence that's that's actually kind of 
that that model kind of like you you get the first piece for free and then you pay for the the back part of the game is is kind of the same argument that people use for pirating it's like i used to try it and then if i like it i'll buy it um yeah i've heard so many people say that but they never actually do that is almost always an excuse uh which is like oh you know like yeah i just want to i just want to try it out and then they play the whole game pirated and never buy it. i don't think i've met one person ever who has actually done the 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 interaction that you just described uh, you, you do know one person because I've done that before. Oh, have you done that? Um, I don't pirate games anymore. You're um, an outlier. Uh, yeah, <laughs> in, I mean, my, in my ridiculously anecdotal evidence. <laughs> no, um, you know, I, 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 I do not pirate games anymore because I, I am, am fortunate enough to make this sort of income where I don't need to actually worry about that kind of thing. Yeah, I feel um, that. You know, I can, even if, even if I didn't, I could eat ramen for a week so I could play uh world of warcraft or something i literally do that well not world of warcraft specifically but i will do that with uh you know like when dragon age uh inquisition came out or whatever the week before i was like all right buddy you can't go out and get you know like a 15 dollar salad for lunch every day this week (laughs) we're gonna we're gonna cook up that ramen man 30 cents we're good like uh in order to you know fund my ridiculous gaming habits sure but yeah but you know i you know, I, I wouldn't, regardless of whether or not there are a lot of people or a few people who who uh, subscribe to that. But I, I, um, this wasn't meant to be a tangent on pirating, but like, but that's my point. Where my my point was that, you know, that kind of model I don't think like would probably be called free to play, but is I think a good model for that type of, for something that has an episodic, uh, format. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think it would be a, a pretty great model. Um. Even though it's mostly oh. just a free-to-play chapter tacked onto the front end of a buy-to-play ex- experience, <laughs> then people will start getting mad about it being DLC. The first, the, you know, the first chapter was free. Why do I have to play all these? Why do I have to pay for all these other chapters? You know, like so. so I can I, see it now. I, I think the secret, the, the secret uh, of of all of this that that everybody kind not everybody because there are some things that are worse than others, um, but I think part of the part of the secret is that. Somebody's going to be mad no matter which direction you choose, right? Like, if, like, to, to go back to the kind of, uh, to, to the, the Chaos Warriors, uh, for, for Total War, it's like, if they hadn't released it for free and they just made it, uh, or if they hadn't released it for free with the pre order and just made it day one DLC, it would have been like, well, well, why don't I get anything for pre ordering it? Why, why shouldn't, why, why can't I get, like, some bonus? That would be a nice bonus. I bet you. It would be everybody would be very happy if they if they released it as a, as a pre order or as a pre order bonus type of deal. You know, this, this, this is just a, I think the 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 dirty secret of all of this is that one, um, no one's ever happy, or you know, you can't please everybody, and two, that um, despite popular claim, gamers are a very diverse group of people with a varying set of opinions. Um. Uh, my own uh, see a part of this I guess we also addressed this in the DLC episode but I don't mind rehashing this territory because this is a bone I frequently pick I hate this stigma uh, this kind of anti pre-order uh, 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 stigma um, because I do think pre-orders are like pre-orders did not come from conniving companies who are trying to you know like 
nickel and dime like every aspect of you they literally came from gamers right because gamers wanted to make sure that the copies of didn't sell out and then the companies you know like shitty companies came in and started like nickel and diming kind of and everything like that so i really hate i just i hate that kind of uh i don't know anti-pre-order just i mean I propaganda think, almost i think there's some well i think that this is, by the way, when this is, by the way, the podcast that goes viral, and then all of the redditors are going to flood it because they find out that I work for Square Enix. So I'm just being a shill. Yeah. You know, like I'm just well, no, I, like I, I think I think it's actually a perfect example of a poorly done pre-order system. Was the was the initial pre-order set for uh, Deus Ex uh, Mankind Divided? Yeah, dude, I'm 100 percent with you. My company, my company was like the post child for garbage pre-orders. Yeah. Though I will, though I will point out that I think it was like less than a week that that thing got taken down. Yeah, no, I mean, I there there was a, you know, props to Square Enix for listening to its fans. Um, although part of me, part, the tinfoil hat me wants to say they only took it down because they knew they had to delay it and that was going to be its own shit show because one of the pre-order rewards was uh, early access. Um, uh, I can neither confirm nor deny the tinfoilness of that hat because I don't work in that department. Yeah, I was, but I will say I, I will say that uh, you know, I I think, you know, I this also happens with movies or whatever. Um, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of there's a lot of, you know, kind of cooks in the kitchen, a lot of hands in the fire who are just uh, you know, they're trying to do the best thing that they can or whatever. And I don't think that, you know, like there's a certain maliciousness that comes with the idea of with the accusations, yeah, right. You know what I mean? Well, that I that I think is unfair. What's the expression? Never attribute to malice, but can be adequately explained by stupidity. Right. You know, and I think that you know, and even even with that Deus Ex Priority thing, I get it. I get it. I do think that like. I, I understand – I can put myself in the mindset of, like, sitting in that marketing meeting and being like, yeah, no, that's actually a really neat idea, right? Like, it's a, it's a cool way to do pre-orders. And it's something that I could totally see somewhat – you know, like, I could see someone kind of uh, uh, come around to that system, whether or not it was perfectly implemented and all that other kind of stuff, right? Like, you know, notwithstanding. But I think uh, – I don't know. Yeah. And so, and I also, I also feel like, uh, you know, it's just, it's important to kind of honor that feedback to a, to a large extent. I also think it's important to rebuff that feedback and in the context of, you know, I think it's important for Creative Assembly to rebuff this feedback about the Chaos Warriors. I think gamers do not have a point and are, and Creative Assembly should stick their, you know, should stick to their guns about it. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think that, uh. Obviously, the opposite case is exactly what we're describing with with Deus Ex. We're like, yep, we should probably break break this down. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the, the part of the thing with Rare is you, you mentioned this is something born out of gamers wanting to make sure that they had a copy, um, which is something that, that is, you know, less true in the modern age because you can't run out of digital copies, so to speak. Um Right, I just I meant that in the in the in the sense of uh, you know there's a there's kind of like a like a narrative almost that like all oh, like pre-orders were just created you know so that companies could sell you shitty games. It's the only reason pre-orders were you know it's the only reason anybody started pre-ordering. It's like no, that's not true. Historically, that is false. Right, um, the genesis of pre-orders is fans of a game who want to guarantee their overnight copy. You know, or they want to guarantee their copy at GameStop or whatever in 2007 um, when, you know, Steam, 
I guess steam had launched by that point, but uh, you know, steam isn't, that, it, isn't isn't you know as much of a thing or whatever, right? Like pre-order that that's the genesis of pre-orders. Whether or not it got it got changed into this nickel and diming thing by companies, sure, I'm with you, right? I think Activision and I think Ubisoft and I think EA, you know, yeah, these guys have shitty pre-orders all the time that are like, and they're really you know like running you dry, and and they can be bad, right? Uh, but the genesis the the start of pre-orders was not a negative place sure yeah okay that's a fair point um how do you do do you think pay to like free to play pay to play all that stuff do you think that like has a place in like tabletop like with pathfinder and paizo uh or anything along those lines um just because we nominally uh you know we we, we care about those games um (laughs) i just I, i can't imagine a way that you would do, I guess. I mean, Fifth uh, Edition kind of did it. Like it released like the the rules. Literally, f- yes. Literally yesterday, Fifth Edition actually kind of has done this. No, oh, yes, because I know even way before that they they released like the basic edition for free, which was like the the base rules and then Wizard Row. Oh yeah, player, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you're right. Yeah, I actually think that there's a lot to be said for that. I think that that's a really neat system. Uh, and it's kind of what Pathfinder is, except you have to buy the core rulebook or whatever. But I actually kind of like an idea of like a super light Pathfinder, right? That has the, uh, you know, that just like the wizard, the rogue, the cleric, the fighter. These are all things, and then you kind of like pay up and you buy your own uh, kind of individual classes from there. But like, yeah, I could totally see myself like pay three bucks to like buy the Arcanist class. Yeah, I, I just I just don't think that that works. Like, I think fundamentally the the model is just it's it's weirdly different. How do I want to put my finger on this? It's like at the end of the day, anything you're paying for is something you could have homebrewed yourself anyway. It's just I don't know. Like, like p- part of the thing with a video game is like you're you're paying for someone to do you know professional coding work so that your computer displays fancy graphics at you. Um, and I guess at some level you could program that yourself, I guess. But it's weird because tabletop games kind of exist in this realm where it's all kind of like it's just knowledge and like rules rather than being like anything um, really tangible. Yeah, I definitely feel that uh, in a certain sense. But like I do think that there is something to say about uh, – you know, we have a friend of ours uh, – you know, we did the, our Warlord episode a couple of episodes ago or whatever. And it, we uh, you know, we have a Facebook chat where we would talk about it. And for – you know, while I was working on it like really hardcore for like six weeks straight, um, I would ask people's opinions in this chat. And we have a friend of ours who really hated it. He thinks it was, you know, he thinks it's a poorly designed class. He thinks it's kind of whatever. Uh, and he is a big rules, uh, you know, not like rules Nazi or whatever. But, like, you know, he's a big guy that likes his rules. Um, is, and is this, I think to a certain – Yeah. And so to a certain extent – I was trying not to name names because I'm kind of talking about him negatively. Um, I mean, no, I don't, I don't mean – talked about him before on the podcast. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, he's, fair he's, enough. He's the GM for Iron Gods. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's the GM for Iron Gods. Well, it's Nick, everybody. Fine. Heads up. Nick really didn't like that I was homebrewing stuff. Um, I think uh, I think another benefit, like an unsung benefit, is kind of the um, 
you're buying the, like the Paizo brand isn't worthless, right? When you sure. buy the when you buy Occult Adventures, right? We can all we all collectively agree that those Occult Adventures classes are you know to a certain extent well designed or whatever because they have this Paizo right. seal of approval, right? Um, it's not like Mark's crazy bad. See, I, I don't mind shit talking, Mark. It's not like Mark's crazy weird fucking third party psionics bullshit that's garbage um, because all psionics is garbage. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which is I, which is totally an unsupported claim i just read the psionics rules like when i was in high school i read the psionics rules and i thought they were terrible and i've just held fast to that opinion ever since but anyway i just mean in the sense of you know i think that's valuable right getting that piezo seal of approval is sure uh, you know i, I think i think i've kind of figured out like while, while you've been talking about like what, what i kind of really meant by that like other than like the whole it's that in order for me to, you know, buy a pe- like, if I'm going to buy like a new class in League of Legends, or, or you know, a new hero in League of Legends, or a new class in a video game, I can kind of see how it works. I can get a description of how it works. I can see other players playing it. I can kind of, um, you know, get a feel for what it does. You know, with something like League, you can play it on a free to play week, something like that. Whereas with a tabletop game. You can't do any of that because the moment you describe how the class works, that that's what you're buying, right? Like, oh yeah, it is actually kind like of true. You, you can't properly evaluate whether or not you want a thing until and you, until you have the rules. And you, can't, I mean, hypothetically, just to play devil's advocate, you could you could have first level mechanics for this class, but then lock levels two through twenty. I you know, I, I, I guess. <laughs> like, I just don't. I I, I just. Don't I don't really think that would be a great system. Yeah, to, yeah. I, I, I don't. Th- I don't think it works. I don't think that system works well. In the, in, the, in the like, I, I, yeah, I, I get you're just trying to come up with a way to do it, but like, it's not even like, you know, it's not even like you can return it, right? Like, as soon as you get it, you have it, and you can't, you can't, you can't like purge it, right? Like, I guess you could like cross the fingers and be like, oh, I didn't copy it down anywhere. Here's your PDF back. I mean, um, not to get not to get political, but this is the reason that student debt uh, carries with you over bankruptcy, right? If I if I go bankrupt, I can sell my house, right? That you know, or whatever. Um, but I can't sell back my education right. to the uh, like to the school or something like that in order to like you know that that that's just kind of an impossibility of it. Yeah, I always um, thought I always thought that was also kind of like. Well, if you could declare bankruptcy, you could just go through college and immediately declare bankruptcy before you were employed. That's also true. Um, but I that's just, this, this, this. This is kind of one of the. Yeah, <laughs> I I am really not prepared to uh, talk about Bernie Sanders twenty fifteen. No, no, <laughs> uh, Gary Johnson. Uh, man, I actually do kind of. I do actually kind of want to like. I feel like I feel, there's so many like little extra podcasts that I like want to have. Like I want to have a podcast where I get to like really like hardcore talk about movies like yeah i want to have a podcast where i like talk about like tv shows or whatever but like man i i do want to have a political podcast but i really don't at the same time yeah i, I, I feel, feel like, like these make be... good bonus episodes for us to not release on a regular schedule if we can yeah. ever maybe keep, maybe keep when the, maybe in the general election we'll, yeah. have, a bonus, we'll have a we'll have a politics oh, bonus goodness. episode oh boy oh boy oh. we were gonna have that star wars episode but it kind of uh yeah, you know. we we kind of we, we the, should yeah. have we should have a Star Wars episode just like in the future because like I actually really like Star Wars games and I think Star Wars games are fucking fascinating. Uh, just kind of because they're so ubiquitous um, and uh, like 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 as a property, it's just been 
to a certain extent has been run into the ground or whatever but uh there's just there's a lot to parse there uh the one last thing i want to talk about kind of getting back to pay to win so to speak fifth edition literally yesterday uh re- released this day have you seen this thing this uh it's kind of like itunes but it's like the like player generated itunes where uh it's called the dm guild and it's like you know it's a service you sign up for or whatever uh but if i'm a fifth edition dm and i'm and i'm home brewing bosses and i'm home brewing maps and i'm home brewing locations and npcs or whatever i can upload that to the dm guild and i can choose to charge people for it um you know so i can make my you know i can make tonric bauer the you know uh the boss of whatever um a three you know three dollars or 99 cents or five cents or kind of whatever do you have any uh have you looked into this at all i haven't really looked into this but i actually very recently found something very similar but that was more general it wasn't it wasn't specific to three five let me see if i can find it real quick well this one's specific to 5b right Um, right but i mean it's 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 it's, so essentially like you know the immediate my immediate thought is that is that's not that special because it's just digital publishing um which is not something that's that's super hard to do. I mean, it's 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 neat that they that you know that Wizards is willing to support it in that way. But like, I can go get weird homebrewed content for a price on like d20pfsrd.com and on the Pizer's website. Um, and you know, I, I think you know it's neat that Wizards wants to support it in that way. But it's also like uh, you know, there's no there's no seal of quality there either type of deal. So the thing that I actually so. What what I almost like about this is uh, I'm a big fan of 4E. Man, we have to have a 4E episode one day. Uh, I'm a big fan of 4E and um, uh, uh, Wizards for Fourth Edition um, had a service. I actually hope they still have it because I do plan on returning to 4E a couple of times before I die. Um, they had this service that was great. I loved it. Uh, what it was is it was like a subscription model. You know, I like paid five bucks a month kind of thing, but. Paying that five bucks, I got access to first. Uh, you know, you got access to two things. One, you got a set of tools to like make up your own uh, power. You know, like the the stat blocks of fourth edition were kind of very specific, um, and so instead of like handwriting stat blocks or whatever, and then having to, like and then switching between the monster manual version and this version or whatever, um, you can. Like input, you can type all this stuff in and print it out, and it looks great. So even though uh, you know you're using the Elven Archer from the Monster Manual, your Elven Spearmen that you homebrewed, they look the same next to each other on paper, which is just kind of like yeah, it's like a little quality of life thing. Um, but the real reason that this service was great was it gave you access to every uh, magic item and every uh, it, uh, honestly every item ever uh, and every NPC. Um, you know, like in the bestiary or whatever in your, in the, uh, in the game that had been, that had ever been published in fourth edition, kind of like D20 PFSRD, um, but with like a better interface and cooler and stuff. And so, and you could do things like copy, you know, you could copy this template into your own template and then futz around with the numbers and then, and then kind of export it, uh, as its own thing. And I really liked that system. I thought that system was, uh was great and so i kind of feel like this is the fifth edition version of that almost okay well that's that's you know that's that's, (laughs) yeah that is a thing Uh, that's pretty cool uh i i I mean obviously uh i like pfsrd and everything and i appreciate what pfsrd does but it does kind of like the usability of it bugs me sometimes um yeah so the the thing about pfsrd d20 pfsrd though is that like 
it's still the best way to browse all that content. If, you know, the amount of times, like, you know, uh, it, it's not perfect, right? Like, you can't find everything on there. It's not always arranged in the tables the way it should be. But it's a hell of a lot better than, like, manually paging through all 73 spot that, books yeah. that I've sitting on my, on my bookcase. I 100% agree with you there. Um, I, was, I mean, honestly, I kind of feel like that's one of the lacking things uh, in D20 PFSRD. Uh, is, you know, you know, something I've always wanted to do is filter out core Paizo stuff from Splatbook Paizo stuff. Because the Splatbooks are... Like, they vary wildly, like, wildly in terms of quality. Um, and so I think we can all agree that, like, the, the core core hardcover, you know, Pathfinder game systems are good. Um, and I kind of wish that I could, uh, you know, like, toggle and, like, pick and choose uh, what uh, what item, you know, like, what I include and what I don't include. I kind of don't like, I kind of don't like the interaction um, where, you know... I also think this is useful just kind of from a pruning standpoint, but, like, I don't like the interaction where if I'm playing a wizard, if I'm playing an arcanist or whatever, uh, if I'm playing by the core rules, I have so many spells, but if I'm, but if we're using T20 PFSRD, it's going to have a thousand, you know, like, however many extra spells, uh, that's, you know, I don't know, it's something I think about a little bit. Yeah, no, I, I guess that's, I guess that's fair. I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> that was not very helpful. Fair enough. I, uh, yeah. Uh, I guess we've kind of done this one, uh, I guess we've kind of done this one to death. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, do you have, uh, do you have anything else? Um. Uh, did we, did we appropriately cover pay to win? Or, uh. I think, I think they're, hmm, maybe. Uh, that, that's always going to be the answer, right? Did, did we. Uh, did we did did we you know do all the things that we wanted to do? Um, I think we got it off a tangent, but that's fine. Um, I kind of like tangents. I'm just gonna say it. Yeah, the tangents don't bug me. I I, I like I <laughs> uh, I like uh, that uh, I like that we have an ecosystem of stuff kind of like, you know, nothing is really in a vacuum, so to speak. Yeah. And now that we're talking about like the, the mechanics of our podcast, everyone. Yeah. Listeners mm, get a little insight into, into, into our meta podcasting. No, that's, that's where we've broken the fourth wall. That's uh, true. Um, but yeah, anything else in games you wanted to talk about for the yeah, last, there piece? is, I, I want to talk about so many stuff in games. It has been so hard, by the way, not to go really off on Mass Effect 2. Because um, I've, I've played it for like three weeks. So, like, it's three podcasts where I have to just shut up. Because I know one day we're going to get to, like, a hardcore, hardcore Mass Effect 2 podcast. I'm going to, like, go nuts. It's going to be... It, my life is... It's going to be the best day of my life. My life is going to peak when I get to make that podcast. Well, well then. Oof. Buddy. What would you do... If Andromeda was free to play, I uh, man, I don't know. I I mean, it depends on how free to play it would be. I suppose uh, it's it's a planet exploration game, right? Like, yeah, I guess you could like, you could like unlock hide planets more planets behind, behind paywalls. Man, I'm, I am excited for that game. I'm a little nervous about that game because uh, I am afraid. Almost, I I think Bioware games are their best when they are uh, you know kind of 
like like the best way to play a Bioware game is to just play like like the the voice acted single player storyline stuff, right? Like there a lot of these Bioware games are kind of like filled with superfluous crap uh, that is just not not like worth it. Uh, some things are obviously side quests or whatever, and I think some of these side quests are good, but like you know, <clears throat> in Mass Effect One going around and exploring these planets and you know like all of that kind of stuff just like oh it's such a chore um and uh i don't know one day i I, one day i feel like i'm gonna get like that like hard straightforward single player experience that doesn't have any like fluffy bullshit on the side and it's going to be beautiful um but yeah yeah well uh I don't know. I don't think I have anything else left to talk about. Um, I'm excited for fishing in Black Desert because I'm always excited for fish. You are always excited for fishing. I actually really enjoy fishing in WoW. I was doing some fishing the other day, and I was just like, man, this is great. Um, and, uh, yeah, I guess uh, – so Iron Gods is wrapping up in the future, just like housekeeping stuff. Uh, yeah. We're, we're, we're coming into our, our final stretch. It's like three or four more boss fights, so if you want to tune into the – the ultimate and penultimate episodes. I, I imagine that we'll probably go three episodes, but or yeah, uh, probably deep. But you know, maybe we'll only do two. Who knows? Um, and uh, we're we're just getting into uh, book three, uh, or I guess we're actually been at book three for a while. But we're just transitioning zones. Nope, this in is, this is this is the start of book three. Oh really? Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um, I guess Mar- Mark's Mark's has homebrewed this to such an extent that. Uh, maybe his book three started earlier. Maybe his book two is just like ridiculously bloated, the, and we don't know. <laughs> but the, this, so the, the, this is exactly the point in the written adventure path. Like when you solve the mystery in, in Magnamar and move to move to Turtleback Ferry is is the split point between book two and book three. Can um, I just add, can I just ask real quick what the difference is? But did you know what like the differences between Mark's version of solving the mystery and our version of solving the what is what does it look like in the vanilla what do you, what, lords so what, what do you mean in, like in particular like you know it's 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 one of those weird things where like so in there's obviously no tournament in in vanilla rune lords um maybe that's not obvious but there's no tournament in vanilla rune lords and you go to the sawmill and in the sawmill you fight somebody at the top of the tower and at the very top of the tower, there is like a, a carrier raven's nest, and one of them flies over to the clock tower, um, and that's your big hint as to where like the stuff is coming from. Gotcha. Um, and yeah, and there's just a bunch of murders happening happening around the city, and you have to figure out like what's what's up. So is it just like the, those two dungeons, so to speak? Um, there's more. What what is there? There's, um. Because the other thing, another thing that we did is we did the, uh, it's actually an adventure path module, I want to say. Uh, it's like, you know, uh, the the thing with Zedendi, um, I know because Mark and I have both, I used it in my Kingmaker game and he used it in this, um, where Zedendi is a, uh, a module that he baked in. What, what is it? Which one was it? It's the one. It's the one where we went into the basement and there was like the mind controlled, uh, you know, the 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 mind controlled succubus or something like that. God, it's so long ago. I don't even really remember. Maybe, um, maybe I might have been <clears> absent <throat> for that session because I don't remember this at all. Yeah, I mean, there was there there was like an elf. Uh, 
like priestess thing or whatever and uh she was maybe she was like dominated i think she was like dominated by the succubus or dominated by this whatever um and uh it's also tough because i can never remember like the names of like mark's gods because they're different yeah Um, i I have no recollection of this this must have happened while i was while i was elsewhere fair enough that maybe that may have been the case um yeah but um that that so magnamar is mostly um you go to Aldern Foxglove's old house. Um, you figure out some stuff there. You find the deed to the um, to the the Foxglove man- manor. Um, that uh, it's like a covenant with the the brother the uh, the Skinsaw cult. Yeah, essentially, it's got a different name, but it's the Skinsaw salt and the cult. And they, they there's the sawmills referenced in it. You go to the sawmill. Um, you find out a bunch of different things, um, and then eventually it leads you to the tower. Um, I feel like I'm missing a piece in between, but that's pretty much it. It's like, uh, I think book two also book two also starts is includes the Foxglove Manor. That's what I'm mixing. Um, gotcha. Uh, and that that whole that whole deal. Um, yeah, Mark's book two lasted a long time. Come to think of it. Um, oh, did we do the, did, did we do the, um, the, the insane asylum? Oh yeah, we did do the insane asylum. Yeah, that's, Jesus. Yeah. There's, the, wow. yeah, <clears throat> it's, it's Fox of matter into the, in the insane asylum. And then Magnamar is, is book two in, in vanilla. Okay. He, he, uh, he hits yeah, a lot of the sense. same major beats, but he, he adds a lot of his own content. In I think, I mean, I think Mark and I do a similar thing, which is, uh, you know, recontextualizing kind of the same encounters, um, the sawmill, the sawmill, and the clock tower, uh, and what and the, the insane asylum were. You know, they were just they 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 were the same kind of mechanics. Uh, well, I mean, he changes the mechanics more than I do, but they're like the same kind of mechanics, the same like skin of or like the same skeleton of mechanics, but reskinned with different kind of story because we get there in a different way, and the people sure. who are there are different kind of thing. Sure. Um, um, the sawmill was pretty much the same. Um, the, the the clock tower was very very different, um, but the sawmill was pretty much spot on as to what it was supposed to be. Gotcha. Um, in in my game, things and like they we got there differently, essentially. Um, but it's it was uh, it's it's you know you can see the similarities, you can see the differences. It, 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 it's Mark does some really cool stuff with it. Um, and obviously that's a lot of work that for for my games I don't have the time to do as much, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately. I'm I am. You, do you want? Did you like want to do those that work? Um, Just wondering. So specifically for Rune Lords, for the listeners at home, um, I want to. I ran. I'm running that game as vanilla as possible. In fact, I only stopped recently because my players were running train on it way too hard. Um, but I want. There was a lot of their first games, and I wanted it to be as as faithful to Raw as possible. Um, just because I figured that's like that. That's a. In my mind, that's a good way to kind of get people into in, into the right place for that and also especially for the early adventures it's you know you when you start with new players you never know how they're gonna be and if it, that's gonna like hit into this kind of like you know the gm killed me 
type of like gotcha stuff. Yeah. And so I figured by like for for the first adventure by sticking very hard to the rules. If any of that ever happened, I could be like, well, that's the rules, um, as opposed to as opposed to you know having to to justify my encounter design as it were. Um, now I'm much more comfortable with the with the players. They're all good. They're all even even the worst of them is is not that type of player. Um, and so uh, you know I I'm I'm comfortable doing a little bit more modification. I'm still running rune lords as as raw as possible just to kind of like save my own sanity because i've been trying to do a lot more with wrath wrath of the righteous um and frankly that campaign interests me a lot more than rune lords uh just because this is my third run through rune this that can't like uh this is my yeah, second time yeah, to do mark's rune lords and my 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 first time dming it um and it's 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 pretty standard and um, yeah. it's, it's one of those things. I, I definitely feel that when it comes to, uh, I, I've talked about this a little bit before, but I feel that when it comes to Hell's Rebels, um, I think, uh, it really bugs me. I, I was complaining about this to you the other day, but it really bugs me how disposable a lot of these characters are. Like Hell's Rebels is full of one-off characters who are important for one book and then completely disappear. But in the next book, a character who fills the, the, a very similar function um is introduced and i'm just like why the why are these not the same character why do you have me having to like introduce an entirely new bar you know an entirely new puckish female roguish bartender who helps out the party right like (laughs) why can't they just be the same and so i've done a lot of modification uh i've done a lot of i also think um i also think the first two books of hell's rebels are pretty not great because they're so they're so um they just have you go on these like ridiculously tangential missions that are there and the missions themselves are interesting the mechanics of it are fine but the reason you're going on these missions is literally like these things are vaguely like vaguely rebellious things or whatever and so um so a big so a big part of my you know restructuring of hell's rebels has been like tight you know putting all this stuff and putting it in a big story vice um where you know the the overall skeleton of the first book isn't hey just go on seven random ass missions just you know just for fun until we can you know haphazardly unlock the uh unlock the final dungeon or whatever it's like no 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 no. we're gonna we're gonna structure this properly i swear to christ yeah Uh, but books three and four are good book five i've just started reading um which looks okay, but I haven't actually re- read it all that much, to be honest. Um, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. I, I want to do so much. I want to talk about Hell's Rebels so much on this podcast because there's so much stuff that I like want to like explain almost uh, in like a thought process kind of sense. Sure. Um, I think, but we- I obviously can't do that because of spoilers. Yeah. Um, I think part of this is also kind of like we, we've talked about this before off cast is system fatigue. We've been playing Pathfinder for a long time. Yeah. Um, and, and, totally and before true. that we were playing three, five. Um, and I think that, um, like I'm excited at least to play some shadow on Nick's the GM. Oh yeah, that's right. I don't think we've announced. Have we announced this to the viewers? Oh, we have viewers. We're playing, we're playing shadow run, uh, with Nick after iron gods concludes. Um, yeah, I think we we're going to be, we've, we've, we've very recently discussed going on a two games per week, rotating 
uh, gondola that way. Yeah, I actually, I mean, but part of me doesn't like that. I really want to play Hell's Rebels like really weakly because I think consistency is important, uh, and especially for like these these hardcore story games. Um, if you have if you have too much downtime, uh, it can really you know kind of like yeah people forget stuff and like details are important that kind of thing. But uh, I actually think that that too. You know, two weeks on, one week off kind of thing is is a pretty good way to kind of, like, bounce around it without fatiguing people out. Or Yeah, no, like I, I, I'm I definitely in favor of that because I can't do three days a week plus the, the game I try and run on my own, which never meets, unfortunately. I'm I'm not – the scheduling games is its own – possibly its own podcast. Possibly. But. <laughs> it's, really, I don't know that we could make it. You, you think we could make an hour and a half out of that? Um <laughs> – uh no, I don't think we do scheduling games. I feel like we've actually said a lot of things that like we couldn't make it. I I want to have like a junk drawer episode, yeah, uh, where we just kind of like pull out a bunch of these like fifteen minute half topics and yeah. uh, and just kind of knock them out of the board. Anyway, we're just pay to win, right, guys? Uh, yeah, right. Viewers, listeners, uh, we will be playing Iron Gods and Rune Lords uh, for the next couple of weeks, but then transitioning to. Hell's Rebels and Shadowrun, which is going to be Nick's new game. We're all very excited to play Shadowrun. Obviously, Shadowrun is kind of like um, it's kind def- of pick it's, up and go. It's, it's also it's different. different. It's also Oh, my God. These mechanics are giving me such cancer now that I'm actually reading them. That should be a podcast. Anyway, uh, I guess we will uh, we will t- uh, listen listen to us later. Yeah. Good, good, good goodbye. Farewell. Bye, guys. <laughs> uh, uh.